Well, hello there. Uh, hello. I'm Orla Martinez. And I'm Ricardo Deacon. And you're listening to The Recommendation Game, a film of the two weeks. <laughs> we take turns to pick a film that the other has not seen, we watch it, and then we meet to discuss it. You are listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film is Anatomy of a Murder from 1959. Raise your right hand. Do you solemnly swear that you have done your job in this picture to the best of your ability, James Stewart? I do. Lee Remick? I do. Ben Gazzara? I do. And Hugh Duke Ellington? I do. Semi-retired Michigan lawyer, how does he say it? Law, lawyer. Lawyer. Uh, Paul Beagler takes the case of Army Lieutenant Mannion, who murdered a local innkeeper after his wife claimed that he raped her. Over the course of an extensive trial, Beagler par- parries. Parries? That's an interesting word. Parries with District Attorney Lodwick and out of town prosecutor Claude Dancer to set his client free. But his case rests on the victim's mysterious business partner who's hiding a dark secret. The film was directed by Otto Preminger, produced by Otto Preminger, screenplay by Wendell Mays, based on Anatomy of a Murder by Robert Traver, starring Jimmy Stewart, Lee Remick, Ben Gazzara, Arthur O'Connell, Eve Arden, Catherine Grant, and George C. Scott. Music by Duke Ellington, cinematography by Sam Leavitt, edited by Lewis or Loofler. Loofler? Loofler. Good old Lewis. <laughs> so this week's film is picked by Ricardo. Ricardo, why did you pick this two hours and 40 minutes movie? <laughs> uh, it is long, but it's one of those movies that I think uh, uh, warrants its runtime. Um, I I do really like uh, Otto Preminger as a director. Uh, didn't we do another movie by him before? No, I think that I think this is the first movie of his I've seen. Although he's acted in a lot of stuff as well. Yeah, uh, Man for, uh, with the Golden Arm. It's the uh, first movie really t- to deal with addiction in Hollywood. Um, oh, uh, it's with Frank Sinatra. 1956. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very progressive. Like, uh, Otto Preminger was uh, incredibly progressive. There's another movie that he did. I can't remember the name that is about homosexuality, that it's uh, fairly progressive co- for the time period as well. And uh, he was largely responsible for the end of the Hollywood blacklist as well. Because he really? Was the, yeah, he was one of the guys that hired Trumbo to write and asked oh, Trumbo wow. to put, the cr- uh, put his name in the credit. Like because oh, wow. he was writing under like pseudonyms and stuff to to keep going, so like he is a very interesting character on screen and off screen. Um, I l- I really like Anatomy of a Murder. Uh, this is the second courtroom drama that Otto Preminger did. Like uh, he did a movie called um, the Court Martial of something or other. Like the name of the character, let's say. And the that whole sounds vaguely familiar. And the whole movie is the court martial, so it kind of like it is a lot rougher as a film than this film is. So you can see that he learned from his mistakes. Like he had a dry run to to make mm. a courtroom drama. He ironed. He ironed it out a bit. Yeah, like uh, I think <laughs> the the uh, the amazing thing about Anatomy of a, a Murder not only is interesting because we've discussed it so many times how we both really appreciate and enjoy process when it mm. comes to movies and, and anything and in this case like it's not glamorizing a courtroom drama you know it's it's not the hollywood thing that the the whole thing uh, hangs by the opening statement the, the closing statement mm, we don't even have the closing statements which yeah. is interesting yeah which is something that i was gonna mention like uh, uh ask you about that decision so we'll put a little marker on that <laughs> put a pin in that one but uh, I think that the, the, the most interesting thing about the movie is how grey it is, that it lives within grey areas, that there's no right or wrong, and you don't really know the motivations and the actual depth of each character and what's lies and truths, etc. Like, you don't really know who's saying the truth and who's on the right. And at the end of the day, it's kind of... 
both a love letter to the American court system and a <coughs> repudiation of its effectiveness. Mm. So uh, I think even in what it's saying about American law is interesting because it's not as clear cut as it's working or not. It kind of shows you both the the good things in the system and the bad things in the system and it never takes the the easy road even when you think it's gonna go there it doesn't uh, uh, when they say oh the judge is from out of town we never try the case with him and it turns yeah. out that the judge is like extremely competent and really uh, uh impartial and kind of mm -hmm. like balancing quite friendly yeah full of banter as well if it's customary here to allow a man charged with first-degree murder to wander about at will, I don't suppose it behooves an outsider to point out that the law makes no provision for such quaint liberalism. Even the way that the prosecuting attorneys are portrayed is uh, quite interesting. The, the decision to make Jimmy Stewart's character a next prosecutor so he mm. can't take the high road of being like the one defending the innocent or whatever and they're like the the guys just trying to get people in jail because Jimmy Stewart is also part of the system or was part of that system and is trying to get his mojo back because he can't put people in jail anymore um, <laughs> I, uh, I like even the um, the character of Parnell and like his relationship with his staff and the other characters the mm. the movie it takes its time to develop all the side characters all the characters that would take uh, play a part in the case so even the bartender in uh, in the bar uh, mm -hmm. where the crime occurred you were on a job that night weren't you the night barney quill was killed like the newspaper said i was present you were the fellow that stopped lieutenant mannion outside that's right he, uh, he pointed the gun at me and said, uh, you want some too, Buster? And you said no because your name isn't Buster. There wasn't anything funny about it, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, both the, the accused and the wife of the accused and uh, uh, both sides of the prosecution and defense, uh, it really has a depth as a movie. The, uh, uh, I think it's, uh, well, without having seen it, the Parasite has a version in black and white and uh, director Bong said that uh, the black and white version you can really see all the grey areas and I think that this movie is very similar in that that it's like even the discussion about war trauma and stuff it's quite poignant and touching in a way that I, I wasn't expecting the first time that I was watching that it really gets into so many different aspects of society as well how like double standards and anything and it's interesting because it's the movie making the comment not the characters and no mm. point the characters are <coughs> making clear the double standard on anything but Preminger as a director is clearly highlighting these double standards and I think it's uh, quite interesting and brave and subversive to do so um Especially in that time, that it'd be like, I suppose that people wouldn't, like, 50s Americans didn't want to be fucking preached to say, like, yeah, <laughs> your, uh, uh, your toxic masculinity won't fucking fix your life. Uh, I also love all the performances. I think that Jimmy Stewart gives one of his best performances. Um, so much, like, uh, with uh, Mr. Rogers coming out, um, uh, uh, not Mr. Rogers. Uh, what's the name? Uh, the the beautiful day in the neighborhood. Beautiful day in the neighborhood. The Tom Hanks one. Yeah, the so many people compare Tom Hanks to Jimmy Stewart. That like he's like the the best person, the the charismatic kind of uh, all American nice mm. guy. But I think is that Tom Hanks, with the exception of one or two roles, never took really uh, any risk. City characters and like. You see Jimmy Stewart's uh, uh, roles in Arthur Miller's movies, uh, like uh, Winchester 78, and uh, all the, the work that he did with Hitchcock as well. It's kind of underpinning. He uses the, the goodwill of the audience that uh, he's already carrying through to the movie, but he uses it to subvert it as well. It's like even 
you know, like Vertigo, he's a despicable human being, but he's mm. interesting because it's Jimmy Stewart. Mm. And I think that this is one of his most low-key performances as well, which is, uh, in a way, one of his performances. But still very shady. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it is Jimmy Stewart. Like the, you, can, you can take the Jimmy Stewart of the movie, but you can't take the movie out of Jimmy Stewart. You know, there's only one thing more devious than a Philadelphia lawyer, and that's an Irish lawyer has the song like there's a certain level of cynicism to his performance that i quite enjoyed the like not having him being the hero of the movie like at the end of the day he gets off somebody that probably should be in jail but mm. also is the case that it's like if you can win the case does it mean that you're guilty like you never see exactly what happened and also because so much of it is resting about psychology you weren't in the room whenever he was talking to the psychologist you don't know if he was playing a character or not you can't really know how much trauma he brought back from korea either mm. and i think the not having all these gray areas like really makes the movie sing uh, has to be said as well that when talking about performances that like Ben Gazzara and what's the name of the uh, Lee Kelly I think is the name of the actress that plays the wife Lee Remick she also played uh, I think in, if I'm correct uh, Gregory Peck's wife in The Omen she looks very familiar, but I, I couldn't quite place her. I don't know if she has. She definitely has that 50s look anyways, which is quite impressive. Uh, uh, she was in the Face in the Crowd as well. That's oh, her. Maybe that's it. That's her debut oh. film. I think that she's uh, the... And I think that like her performance is uh, so, so nuanced as well, because you never really know when she's talking the truth or not or her motivations for doing something but at the same time I think the all the characters are more <coughs> realized because of that uh, both lack of motivation but also is just not knowing the motivation the only character that you really know what's going on with is uh, Jimmy Stewart's character uh, Polly as they call him which I found a quite Enduring. Come on in, Polly. Come on in. You haven't been in here since you vacated, have you, Polly? Oh, hardly recognize the old place, huh? I also never seen Ben Gazzara give a bad performance, and I think that, again, like, uh, I don't think that the movie would have worked without him in that role. He's both um, sympathetic and despicable, and mm. I think that. Again, it's like with all these gray areas in the movies, like not really knowing who to side with is mm. uh, quite interesting for a courtroom drama because usually it's like fucking, you see like a few good men or uh, the verdict or... God, um, I love a few good men so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, the, yeah. the, there's a very clear like, we're trying to you get this bad guy one. kind of thing, you know? Uh, yeah. And then uh, you also have uh, another repeat offender in George C. Scott, a very young George C. Scott at that, which is uh, I quite enjoyed. I, uh, I really liked uh, how George C. Scott can make any character really seedy. Like, um, I wanted to pick this as well because I love the 50s and I know that you like the, the, the vibe as well of the 50s. <laughs> And I thought it would be like an interesting, uh, you know, how we discussed, uh, I can't remember what was the movie that we discussed, uh, so much of it was the, um, that it was the first to come out, but because it was the first, it inspired so mm -hmm. many other movies, but those movies improved on the, on the formula. Yeah, and you criticized the movie by saying that it's unlucky that you didn't watch the first because uh, oh um my i remember saying that about um Refifi, maybe my manhunter um maybe Refifi as well uh maybe i liked Refifi though yeah Refifi. but i think it uh, was like a, uh, it was a comment it wasn't like a disparaging mm, on the yeah. movie let's say no you might be right uh, and I think that this movie is one of the first movie to really like knuckle down and use the 
a cinematic form to do a case study of a trial but actually like beginning to end and mm. even in the way that the movie takes its time for the uh, for the lawyers who actually go through the process of booking the evidence and everything it's like the attention to detail is very precise and I really enjoyed that the movie trusts the audience to be interested in the case and how it works and there's no big aha moment everything is like deliberate etc getting there and even the so-called aha moment is when George C. Scott uh, presses the uh, Laura I think is the name of the character um, mm. to say that she was the the lover He's of the my father but I think is that it's also uh a well-known saying about lawyers that you should never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Mm, and he knows he's fucked up even before. Like <laughs> yeah, when she says it, it's because he didn't follow that advice. And I think that the movie doesn't have like uh, fucking Polly turning to Parnell and saying like, you didn't know the answer. That's how we fucked them up. It's, you you follow the thought process of how Jimmy Stewart's character is actually placing this trap. Were you Barney Quill's mistress? No. No, I was not. You know, it's common knowledge in Thunder Bay you were living with Quill. That's not true. Barney Quill was... Was what, Miss Pallant? Barney Quill was what, Miss Pallant? Barney Quill was my father. And mm. he's even risking losing the case because he wants to spring that trap, but he doesn't know for sure if he'll be able to do it. And I think the drama is there. It's like, will she show up or not, rather than will this trap be sprung because he's been like pushing even in the way of trying to sexualize the case which I found again like quite interesting that it's quite despicable the way that um, Jimmy Stewart is doing that but at the same time it is the way of winning the trial so mm. is, it, is it wrong to do it or not you know like it's uh, uh yeah, like I think that the, the, the movie is quite interesting and it, it has aged quite well, even in comparison to the other movies, because uh, other movies that are courtroom dramas, because I think very few courtroom dramas have the balls or the courage to actually just make the movie about a courtroom drama. And it, I thought it'd be a good comparison to the other courtroom drama that we did. That it was like... Uh, Breakfast at Nuremberg? Breakfast at Nuremberg. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one. Judgment um, at Nuremberg. And even though that movie is really engrossing, you can't really enjoy it because of the theme. And even though this movie mm. has, uh, uh, you could say, uh, a darker edge because of the, the actual cause of the, the original crime, it is still able to be enjoyable let's say uh yeah without further ado uh, what did you think <laughs> of the of anatomy of a murder uh yeah <laughs> just want to start with get off the panties <laughs> not being a massive fan of the word panties um somehow i still was able to enjoy that scene mostly because it's just so incredibly comical what exactly was the undergarment just referred to Panties, Your Honor. Do you expect this subject to come up again? Yes, sir. Yeah, this was a very interesting one. Um, me and John watched this last night, um, which is quite fun because it is it's it's very enjoyable. So we sat down and so the credits start and uh, we have to start with a big shout out to Duke Ellington um, and the uh, <laughs> the very jazzy score, not just uh, <laughs> not just as in it's jazz, but the fact that it's very kind of like you know, you know, jazzy. So it was funny because uh, the credits are not that long, obviously, but they're very cool because they're Saul Bass. Actually, shout out to. Um, Royal Ocean Film Society because he did a video on um, that, the, like, the design of not just these credits but how they were ahead of their time and stuff um, which I would recommend because it's really really interesting um, yeah such a great channel yeah. that is oh so it's I, I love how varied it is like he does it's it, oh they're so beautifully made as well but um, so we watched <laughs> we got to the end of the credits and John kind of turned to me and he's like what kind of movie is this he's like like what's the theme and I was like I, I didn't look up anything about this all I knew was like the poster um, 
I, yeah, I, I think maybe because in my head, for some reason, I always had this filed away as a Hitchcock movie, even though it's clearly not a Hitchcock movie. Um, probably because of the Saul Bass credits, I don't know. But so I, for some reason, I had Thriller in my head because even though of like the crime and everything, and then the thing starts and it's like you know we're in small town wherever, and you know oh it's Jimmy Stewart, and also very interesting note. Because I was a little apprehensive of how am I gonna how am I gonna fall on Jimmy Stewart this time? The, you know, the I, Jimmy I, Stewart. Uh, <laughs> there's the the seesaw like, <laughs> and I think the defining factor is age. Because um, I say, although what age is he in the Money Shot Liberty Valance? Uh, he would have been like ten years older than this movie, so. Mm, yeah, I think. No, five think years that, more. I think Liberty Valance is like sixty-five or something. I, yeah, and then what age was he in uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? Uh, that's 49, so he would have been 10 years younger mm, than this. Yeah, I think, I think that's crucial because I was thinking about how I, like, I really like him in Virgo and obviously he's much older again. I really like him in this and I think that's what it is because there's just something of his sort of like, he's kind of like lanky and I, I don't know, it, it's a, he has a different energy to when he's younger and when he's younger it comes across as boyish and like you know tom hanks in uh, in big and you know i had no problems with that but partially the movie partially maybe his performance i don't know but um obviously jimmy stewart is fantastic in this um but we'll get to that um yeah it's it's an odd feeling watching this film because it's so chirpy it's like there's been this horrible crime in this lovely little town but it's not it's 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 a it's a very different vibe to something like to kill a mockingbird or um what's the one with matthew mcconaughey uh a time to kill yeah time to kill obviously significantly darker film um, um because it's not being seen through the eyes of a child um yeah, the, this this film is is taking a very different swipe at like American society, and it's a very cynical film, um, <laughs> very cynical, like which is summed up in how fucked up that ending is. But we'll get to the ending. Um, yeah, it's it's conflicting because you're so entertained. This testimony is incompetent, hearsay, irrelevant, immaterial, inconclusive. Yeah, well, that's too much for me. The witness is yours, Mr. Rodney. Huh? Oh, uh, um, no questions. And I think that's both the strength of the movie and sometimes a little bit to its detriment because, like, at one point, I can't remember if I said this or John said this, but it was like, they say the word rape a lot and they say it very flippantly and sometimes like we'll 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 get more into it maybe but sometimes the the light nature of its dealing with it and because her character is so yeah i th- i think that's that is the bit of the film that it does the film doesn't isn't quite probably because of the time that it came out but yeah. at the same time it's 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 great because you are so conflicted as you're watching it because we like because once he gets into the room with um lieutenant what's his name and um manian manian yeah and uh so you kind of you've worked out then so it's like okay so he's in prison because he killed the man he allegedly raped his wife and we're like okay so he's in the room i mean john are like what's jimmy stewart doing and you're like Huh? And you're waiting for the shoe to drop. You're waiting for the reason why Jimmy Stewart is doing it, the moral reason why he's doing it, you know? And suddenly you realize that you're rooting for Jimmy Stewart to do whatever it takes to get someone who killed someone off. Someone who also has clearly been violent with his wife, but you're still rooting for him. And it's like, by the time you get to the end and... You know, I think it's an interesting choice how he chooses, like, as in uh, the director chooses to deal with the verdict and deal with the ending. Because it's, that's, I was looking and I was like, there's only like 10 minutes left. How are they, you know, squishing all this in? And, like, the ending is so 
interesting and so dark because I was just waiting. I was like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. I was just waiting for the realization moment for Jimmy Stewart to realize what he'd done. But you don't get it. It just ends with him and like the, the shoe with the broken heel and they drive off into the fucking sunset. And I was like, that's very fucked up. <laughs> like, you know, because... The, is it the neighbor or something says, like, so casually, oh, she was crying as they left. I guess you're looking for Lieutenant Mannion, aren't you, Mr. Bigler? Yeah. He gave me this note for you. Felt real sorry for Mrs. Mannion. She was crying. Left a mess, didn't he? Well, we better get busy here. Dear Mr. Bigler, so sorry, but I had to leave suddenly. I was seized by an irresistible impulse. But, but, but what's interesting about this is that so much of this the film is doing on purpose the film i you know like it's it's wanting you like it's wanting you to like get sucked in because it's jimmy stewart and he's giving a great performance and it's jimmy stewart it's the same way of like i don't even know if you could believe tom hanks in a role like this that's so conflicting because you just couldn't you know whereas jimmy stewart manages it in a very interesting way i think because I, I, I don't know, I think I want to delve more into the different eras of Jimmy Stewart's performances and how age plays a part in it and stuff and, you know, comparing that to Tom Hanks, but it's kind of unsettling because you keep forgetting, you know, and then you're like, yeah, cause, because the courtroom section is so good and the sparring, and the thing is, like, the the prosecutor is so slimy, but he's brilliant as well, so... Sometimes you're kind of rooting for him because you've you've swung back around and you know remembered that this guy probably should be in prison, and you know, and then like then because he's great, but then oh then he does something a bit too slimy, and you're like oh well fuck you prosecutor, but then you know Jimmy Stewart is standing up and like outrageous um what do you call it objections and you know just down and dirty tactics and you know I, what I, mean? I absolutely love that like in the the very beginning of the trial he says something and gets uh, uh, objected to and the judge says to the jury uh, you have to strike down from the record and you mm. have to unhear like mm. uh, ignore what he said and then Ben Gazar asks him how can a jury disregard what it's already heard you do solemnly swear. The testimony you shall give in this trial. He keeps using that tool over and over again, mm. and also he does something quite often that is, while the guy is doing an objection, he comes off the, he ends his cross examination, so the objection doesn't get actually filed. Mm. And it's such dirty little tricks, but the movie only tells you once that he's doing it, and you're like. It gives you the, like, it, it holds the audience as uh, intelligent enough to realize that it's not only this tactic that he's using and start yeah. seeing, like, on uh, behind the smoke screen that, like, of this, like, <laughs> you know, like, the same way that he's like, oh, I'm a small country lawyer, can't I? Like, oh, and they laugh about it afterwards. Oh, that was my favorite line. And I'm like, you people are awful. You people are awful. But I definitely want to have a drink with them like <laughs> when they're all sitting there like jimmy stewart's playing the piano <laughs> uh, i love that polly <laughs> i love that humble country lawyer bit <laughs> you had mr dancer dancing <laughs> we have to talk about his secretary as well because she's fucking brilliant and like i want to be i want to hang out with these people they're so like there's so much charisma Go we need a nag with Parnell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, salt? No, I'm not ready. <laughs> I have a lunch lunch date. One egg by the train <laughs> fucking rail. <laughs> I was kind of expecting steaks to be brought out afterwards. You know, like the the egg is just the appetizer. <laughs> no man can eat fifty eggs. Um, but they can eat steaks the size of their <laughs> the size of their chest. Um, yeah, it's the, the the choice of this the soundtrack as well is so genius. It's like 
because the soundtrack is so good and you're like it's so cool and you're like oh yeah and even having like know. Jimmy Stewart playing some jazz and even with <sighs> it's just auto damn you <laughs> you know I want to watch it again but it's so fucking dark and like yeah I, I think it, again it's like you were saying mm. that it is this conflicting things but it is uh, mostly intentional by the director yeah. uh, and I think that's why it makes it such an interesting watch because there's very few films that leave you like conflicted about like mm. your own mentality about what you were thinking during the movie you become complicit in the mm. the action and what you mentioned before about the um, uh, the idea of rape like how flippantly they use it I think that that's on purpose as well the way that mm. they uh, completely even Jimmy Stewart the like fobs off the fact that this woman has been raped like uh, but the director does it with the character because she's so like what I find interesting as well about her is watching it with John and John was like I don't believe her and I was like it's the movie you it's I'm trying to work out exactly how sophisticated is the movie. Like, is it? You know, I, I, yeah. I think <laughs> that I think it is more sophisticated that you're giving it credit to. Like, perhaps because I've seen them more than once. Obviously, yeah. Is the the amount of times that she says uh, that uh, one that she married straight out of high school. So her entire mm. life is based on that. So it's kind of like small town living in a trailer kind of thing. So having mm. her fun is kind of the only fun that you can have. And she's still young and uh, free, let's say. And also you can see that the destruction of her dream because she left the first husband for Ben Gazzara's character because probably she thought that that's where happiness lies because she was always moving so she wants to mm. keep moving with him and also the fact that she's always moving her reputation never remains so she be mm. she always behaves this way kind of thing because she doesn't have to uh, uh, she doesn't have to uh, remain within the little box that women were supposed to be in in the 50s so even like wearing a tight sweater suddenly like she's a bit of a slut I think that a lot of it is her also playing up to it because it's the only way for her to get mm. things in the in her life. I think I think that's made clear even in how her switch between her on the stand and her actual behavior, but they're both performances really, yeah. and how you know, like I find that very interesting. And it's I think the moment that she, the two moments that her performances actually cracks, and you can see the internal logic of the woman. Is when mm. uh, Ben Gazzara, like uh, when Jimmy Stewart mentions that Ben Gazzara is probably looking at her from the prison window. Well, would you like to have something to worry about? <laughs> Silly. Like your husband watching us from his cell window? All right. All right, let's have it. Did he say something to you? Just enough. Are you afraid of him? Yes. And the second is the the two times that she mentions how she wished that Bengazar was actually convicted, but she can't mm. actually make herself feel that way. And I think that in a way it it, it really mirrors the actual problem and the actual um, uh, difficulty of women leaving uh, abusive partners because mm. you still have a sense of duty to them even though it's the the worst thing that you can do is to stay with them and i think similarly to how much of uh his violence is due to him being a veteran of war which is kind mm. of like pawned off also the fact that he says that his uh, first wife uh, uh got the divorce because he was violent towards her but he acu he says that it, the reality is that she found another man when he was in Korea mm. and then in, it kind of hints that he became violent for her when he came back and it's not just that she had a man 
Mm. It's because you come back broken, but at the same time, you're not allowed to be that because you're a man in the fucking 50s in America. So even like having a few fights with people and smacking your wife around, it's like, it's kind of okay until you shoot somebody. Mm. And I think it's just hinted at that the same way that her, her way of expressing herself in a way like a way of rebellion against him she can't leave him force herself to leave him so her rebellion is to not go but she never like cheats on him either i believe when she says that she never cheated on him it's just like she just flirts (laughs) yeah she gets like just below that line and i think that it kind of becomes in her head like that she has control over her her actions and i think Mm. that it becomes she said something to that effect that like this is the only time that i can be me or my like something like that she definitely says like when he when he fucking parents her and turns up to the roadhouse and greg pulls her out of the 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 bar and she's like this is my time and also like you have like really small details in her performance that are easy to miss that when he grabs her to take her out she glances at his arm and like his hand in her arm and kind of like notices the jolt of pain almost Mm. and then like Like a memory yeah and also almost changes her behavior to jimmy stewart then as well because she's afraid of him and i Mm. think it's kind of also the idea of trying to control and also in a way i think is something that um uh, the accused uh, another movie about rape and courtroom drama the movie with Jodie Foster which is quite interesting mm. oh she's a playing a prostitute is it and uh, no she's just uh, uh, somebody that is quite liberal with who she sleeps with around yeah. the town so when she does get rape people always like uh, accuse her of saying that it probably wasn't rape because she slept with everybody else and I mm. think it's a uh, similar idea on on this movie that is like portraying somebody that kind of deserves it mm. that the movie is like portraying that the characters even Jimmy Stewart kind of thinks it underneath and it makes it more cynical and disturbing and also yeah. it's the way that uh, the 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 main thing is that this movie never shows you how they were before the act so so much of it i think is her mm, still the perspective proce- is very important yeah i think so much of it is her uh trying to process what happened like regaining her sexuality in a way as well like regaining mm. the fact of control that she has the control over those men in the bar but that's only usual with me with men i mean almost all men ever since i was a kid you for instance you're interested but there isn't any reason to be afraid of you it was like that with barney Oh, now, Mrs. Mannion, believe me, I'm not in the least... Call me Laura. Uh, Laura, I'm only interested in helping your husband, nothing more. Oh, I, I don't mean you try anything. I just mean it's... it's the way you look at me. I think that it is a very nuanced... and like anything in this movie, it is also uh, problematic, but I think it's problematic in a way that is... Mm. more that's, that's, than, it, than it is that, that's that's where i'm kind of it's it's so teetering on the edge of both of being you know like that that's why it's that is why it's so interesting it's like i mean even whenever jimmy stewart like when they're um uh like the prosecutor kind of i can't remember the question he asks but he kind of alludes to like oh that you've you've been fighting with your wife before and jimmy stewart sounds he's like that has not been established trying to like squash it all together and i'm just like oh this guy is awful it's yeah i mean it was it's a joy to watch and it definitely doesn't feel as long as it is which um obviously is impressive for two hours and 40 minutes um but it's yeah it definitely it made me want to watch more of his films because like i don't know if this is his 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 peak or whatever but like it's there's a real mastery here of someone again especially in the 50s of like just being able to like skewer <laughs> so many things at the same time I would imagine often without the audience truly realising that he's doing it particularly at the time I would love to know what the response was at the time to this like uh, you know how how they like I don't know how they marketed it you know like was the cynicism kind of 
was he keeping it there for people to discover you know it's an interesting one but at the same time is the the way the films used to be marketed were weren't exactly uh, <laughs> uh subtle it's like it has jim stewart that's it by <laughs> just on the uh, final thoughts uh, uh before mm. we get to favorite things um you mentioned the ending and the uh, performances. I think that, again, that we mentioned like loads of um, great performances in this movie, but I was wondering who would be the standout, uh, be like Jimmy Stewart or one of the side characters. And also, um, mm. do you think that the movie earns its ending in a way? Uh, and do you think that on a rewatch, would you uh, see watch the movie differently because you know where it's going let's say hmm um I mean it probably is Jimmy Stewart as the standout but at the same time like the lieutenant like he's fantastic because it's hard to pinpoint one person because so many of them are doing so many things at the same time like maybe not like the every like the the actress who plays the secretary, she, but her character's probably not as, you know, nuanced as, say, um, uh, what's the female, female character called? Uh, Laura Mannion. Yeah. Like, she, you know, the, the amount, like, she, the, because I think her in particular, like, because there's, she has two very distinct characters that she's playing, so, and it's very apparent, she's obviously doing more than, say, the woman who's playing the secretary, but I, pfft. I think probably that my most enjoyable performance is Jimmy Stewart because you know it's a little bit apprehensive, um, and because he's subverting your expectations of him right in your face, you know. But at the same time, making you like him like that—that's a very hard thing to do, um, particularly in a, a film that has a lot of talking, 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 talking. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I think I would want to like definitely the first third of it again I would be very interested to watch to pick up on the little things like because there is a lot of detail in this it's quite long there's a lot of information and at the start you're just kind of like getting yourself acquainted with the characters and, and you know you're kind of you're getting you're getting onto the spell of this quaint little town and this quaint little country lawyer so I'd be very interested to see what else is underneath everyone's yeah. performances that I may have been missed the first time so I'd be I'd love to watch this again definitely because it is he's tricking you at every point <laughs> so uh, um, yeah it's it's such an it's an interesting balance of like depravity uh, just a, a a couple little things uh, the guy that plays the pianist in the bar that Jimmy Stewart's playing with that is actually mm. Duke Ellington is a cameo which I thought oh. that was like quite cool I think that's it, cool his name is like Pie Eye or something which is uh, like in the movie which is hilarious that's your your stage name is Pie Eye Jesus <laughs> Christ uh, the other thing uh, that hasn't been mentioned but it has to be mentioned is that that house must stink up something awful the fucking amount of fish that is clearly like being built up for over <laughs> weeks and weeks I, I, for <laughs> I forgot about the fridge oh my it's god it's so over at the top oh. Like, yeah. oh I forgot about the the scene where um he brings in the old the case from like 18 whatever um showing precedent for the um the the medical uh section um on how he's there with the little like the it's 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 a fly isn't it for for catching frogs and i was like yeah um (laughs) um but it's so manipulative and the prosecutor what i like about the prosecutor as well is that he's never really defeated you know he's always he looks I can't remember what he says but it's something like oh we've been played as well he's almost like looking at the audience that's so funny but he's he just he's just recalibrating all the time just recalibrating recalibrating okay okay next on to the next and it's almost as well like that he there's no underdog yeah and it's also like that he goes oh yeah I lost this bout but like I knew that I probably was gonna lose it but I had Mm. to try because otherwise what's the point you, yeah. you know if um, 
if they were able to get away with that like a bead uh, make the trial way easier so why not try it just takes an extra mm. sentence um and the other thing i wanted to to say is that with the combination of the small town and the way that it's set uh, shot and the mm. set and the music and the likability of the main character and the kind of seediness underneath the whole town i think that uh somebody that is obviously a fan of this movie and it kind of inspired him is david lynch because it feels very much like twin peaks <laughs> yeah it's it, it is a little it is a little what's beyond the white picket fence isn't it yeah you know every, yeah and That's, also you have mm. the like the the joint that she got the his the roadhouse yeah, yeah it feels very much like the roadhouse and uh, it is yeah and uh, no i think that's clear and even the vibe like uh, uh, when he uh, the music when mm. they're walking around even the names and the, also the fact that he goes up to canada to get her like was very twin peaks <laughs> like you know the i'm just the, the theme song is playing in my head uh -huh. <laughs> Like the, uh, my problem with the, the Twin Peaks Oregon. is that I've uh, listened too many times to the interview with uh, um, the guy that, uh, with uh, Antonio Ber the, the guy that did the soundtrack for Twin Peaks uh, he just explains how David Lynch was talking through him playing the theme song to get the correct theme and he's like and Laura's coming through the woods and it's getting bigger and bigger you know how Lynch is and then it's like and then it's an orgasm and stuff in my head now every time I hear the theme tune I just hear your man doing the impression of David Lynch and it's absolutely perfect I'll send it to you it's hilarious and uh, so what's your favorite thing about the movie um I'm trying to think I remember saying this before and I can't remember what movie it was but where it's both my favorite and my least favorite thing which is how fucking conflicting it is <laughs> <laughs> because you feel awful about how much you enjoy it and how much you enjoy the company of the characters and the sparring and the you know it's you could say that it's, it's the only actual guilty pleasure yeah it's like when you eat like a really good piece of cake like and it's so good it's the best chocolate it's the best quality everything about it but it's still bad <laughs> well like no, that's not like, like uh, well like it's bad if it was like you bought uh, like you robbed the cake of a kid's 60 year old birthday party and it's like oh this is delicious and it was worth it but i still feel a bit conflicted about it <laughs> like stealing cake from a baby I would, I'd highly recommend this. Um, you like, even for people who are not massively into courtroom stuff, or like, it's so funny when you think of like stuff like Law and Order and how much they owe, like they owe to show or to movies like this. Like, it's it's the bedrock of this genre. Like, it's so, like the cross examination and you know, like so much of what people know about the justice system is based off of movies like this. <laughs> And like it's like so funny as I was writing my notes and like you know obviously, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird comes into your head a lot because small town and you know the kind of case and stuff. But like, <laughs> I was all of it. I was thinking I was like, you sir are no Atticus Finch. <laughs> oh yeah, like, uh, and I think part of it is the the not even in skill. It's just it's the morality of it. Like it's precisely that is the the fact that um, uh, because race is uh, brought into it it's more uh, it would be harder to make this uh, as uh, grey as it is if there was race involved because mm. especially with the way the society was charged back then and I think that's why I, I considering the other movies that Otto Permager has done I can't help but think that his depiction on how Laura is treated and uh, kind of sidelined and not allowed to even process what has happened to her itself. Mm. It's almost that that crime didn't matter because a bigger crime happened. Even the way that the, how the police examined her afterwards, they mm. in a way that they examined her not to um, not to prove that there was rape or to help her go through it. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, we need to put 
Lieutenant Madian in jail. So let's get the evidence that we need. What are the evidence that is there? Uh, And I think that because it is throughout the entire movie, even the way how Jimmy Stewart even eventually admits that he's horny for Laura, but he won't do anything. And she knows it and calls it and says that men have always been that way. That's why I think Mm. that in a way it is conflicting, but it allows that gray area that is like all the characters are horrible. Mm. Because nobody, not even the secretary, gives her the the understanding kind of thing. But yeah. but in a way, it's uh, it's also the conflicting uh, thing that happens to the daughter that she goes into uh, testify just to say that she found something because it's the right thing, but it, it doesn't stop. Uh, her dad from having raped Laura but also the mm. uh, the guy killed him so she's really conflicted about it and it's a, yeah. the bit that Jimmy Stewart that I love that he says it but it's so cynical that he says something that is true that he says that uh, he was good to you and somebody can be both good to somebody and bad to somebody else like people can mm. be many things and I think in a way is a portrayal of every single character in this movie can be encapsulated in that line but usually coming from Jimmy Stewart is like mm-hmm. yeah but I'm good you know what I mean mm-hmm. but in this movie it's kind of like but I want to win <laughs> and it's also um, quite interesting because uh, it kind of comments also that how many people that he put on j- into jail that were innocent because he wanted to mm-hmm. win that case and I think the the movie doesn't shy away to kind of mirror the fact that an overzealous prosecutor is as bad as a underperforming prosecutor. Uh, what was your favorite thing? Uh, my favorite thing, I think, is the the writing, perhaps, because mm. it like it goes through quite a lot of exposition, but it never feels like exposition, you know, in a way that. I think that it does feel a bit like exposition, but it's the way the 50s movies get away with it because there's a certain artifice to it. Uh, you know, yeah. if you made this movie nowadays with this script, you'd be like, oh, bullshit, you know? Mm. <laughs> Directed by Aaron Sorkin. Um, but in this case, it, it, it is very much natural to the world of the movie. And the script manages to be cinematic as well. Not in the sense that the mm-hmm. uh, director uh, uh, is able to make the film cinematic. Is that the script knows when to make longer scenes and shorter scenes and transition from its, it's own very well area. paced, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I think that if it was a stage play, that, that I think there is an adaptation of this into a stage play, but I don't know how oh. it was received. Like uh, I just know of its existence. But mm. it'd probably be uh, in a similar way to 12 Angry Men. But like I think 12 Angry Men becomes cinematic because of the way that Sidney Lumet decides to shoot the movie. And it kind of mm. is able to make its own thing from the same uh, material as the stage play without changing it. It doesn't leave that room. Well, this movie takes full advantage of the fact that you don't have to be in the courtroom for the whole time. Uh, so you're able to paint a picture of the society like even the way of the houses or the way that is small enough that nobody pays their fucking bills I'll have one more toy boy I'm afraid I'll have to pay my bar bill tomorrow you're good with me Mr. McCarthy Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 like everybody knows each other to the extent that is like, what other bar are you gonna go drink into? Like, we're we're fine, or that his phone bill should have been disconnected, but nobody bothered to disconnect it because he hasn't paid anybody. He hasn't even paid his uh, his secretary. I love that line. Yeah, she, but she doesn't seem to mind. <laughs> I love that line that he fires her and is like, "You have to pay me first before you fire me." Like, uh, she's great. Like you said. Yeah. She's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? Um, definitely the 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 confliction feel or feeling of the, like, but also like that scene where like they're describing it's when they're talking to the doctor about how there was no semen present, so how so they didn't count 
basically a you know of it's but you can imagine in a different film or a film where that was significantly less cynical where there would be pauses to kind of take in the the darkness of the subject matter and it's just not present and it's so like it's just it becomes so much darker because it's so like oh yeah that 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 was a prime example of it being so brilliantly done but also quite disturbing <laughs> i think yeah what oh, yeah. is everything um my least favorite thing i think is also uh, that disturbing feeling but also mm. particularly when it comes to the theme of rape and the character of Laura, uh, mainly because I'm, it's the only part of the movie that I don't know for a hundred percent the intention of the filmmaker. Uh, I do give Otto the um, Otto uh, the 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 benefit of the doubt, considering uh, both nuance elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, it is the only part that perhaps could have been done mm. better. So it'd be still nuanced but you'd know that it's nuanced because the director knows that it's nuanced rather mm. than but like you were saying that scene is particularly interesting also because uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart asked him do you know what it is rape by the letter of the law and the doctor says yeah it's a uh, penetration mm. and said that, is there a way that you can uh, uh, test that and he says yes but I was only asked to test for the semen mm. but he doesn't bat an eye because it's like that's how the system works I do the test that I get asked to he's like mm. the, there's there's no confliction in the doctor's mind that he didn't do everything that he should do and it's yeah. um, it's, um, it's it's yeah it's it's poignant as well because like I don't know if you watched Unbelievable and uh, no. Oh god. Ugh. It was really good but very dark, very difficult first episode. But like there's been a lot of coverage in the last couple of years about the sheer number of untested rape kits and how you know it's interesting that it's like 2020 and this is, you know, what 1959 and that level of like how rape is dealt with as in criminal cases. It's like how far have we come? It's quite depressing. Not very far, apparently. Ulster. Oh, he went there. Um, well, on that cheerful note, um, <laughs> that was uh, Anatomy of Murder. Um, I would highly recommend anybody, particularly if you have seen and loved uh, a much more... <laughs> a much less cynical movie which is A Few Good Men which still stands up I think it's wonderful but um, if you like any, if you like courtroom drama of any description you will love this movie if you love the 50s if you love Jimmy Stewart I think particularly if you, you know you've, you've only really seen like happy friendly Jimmy Stewart I would recommend it highly so thank you Ricardo oh, thank you really. I'm, uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it but it's it was one of those picks that uh, regardless of what you thought about it I knew that mm. there'd be a lot to talk about which oh, is like oh, a lot okay. of the time is um, reasons mm. to pick a movie that like even when we picked the the uh, what was the name of that piece of shit um, <laughs> the dirties the dirties yeah <laughs> the you picked it without like even being a huge fan of the film yourself <laughs> which no. is which is quite interesting <laughs> so next week's film is shows by Orla uh, it is uh, Bong Jun Ho. I can't say his name. Hold on. I'm gonna make sure I get it right. Director Bong. Dire it's Director Bong. The lovely, lovely Bong. Parasite. Woo! Mm. Second run for for Bong as well because we did uh, Snowpiercer. Yes. Uh, yeah. Was that my pick? Yes. I yeah, think yeah. It was, yeah. 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 So we've come full circle. Uh, We're jumping on the Oscars fanfare bandwagon, but I'm okay with it because. I love Parasite and I love the director so so like I'll have to watch it in the next two weeks anyways then um, so you can find us on Facebook uh, The Recommendation Game on Twitter at The Rec Game The Recommendation Game at gmail.com on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud and every second Monday 11 to 12 on Dublin Digital Radio 
Well, until next week <laughs> or the week after, I was Orla Lucas. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week or the one after. <laughs> <laughs> Brandies. <laughs>